What makes a great leader great? How do we create a high-performing team? And when we say leader, we mean everyone, because everyone is leading their own life. Will yours be a life by design or a life by default? Those are the big questions, and this podcast will answer them. Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast, where we help you apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, because great leaders will produce great results. Welcome to all our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we have some extraordinary guests together with us today. These guests have been reaching out and blessing the world for good for decades. Uh, They are close personal friends, and I am excited to welcome Rick and Linda Iyer. Welcome to the Iyers. Well, thank you, Steve. And when you say decades, that tells all your listeners that we're a couple of old fogies sitting here. (laughs) Speak for yourself, honey. (laughs) Anyway, this is going to be so fun, Steve. We have loved the Schallenberger family for so many years for so many reasons. So this is exciting for us. Well, thanks. And of course, it's totally mutual. And so uh, we'll just get after it all. First of all, before we get started, I'd like to give our listeners a little background about Rick and Linda, uh, I'll, I'm gonna, we're, we're going to talk about a couple of new books that they have today, which are so far out of the park. They are grand slams. Uh, it's been really fun reading them. Uh, but first of all, I'd like to tell you about them. And in the back of, of uh, Linda's book, A Grandmothering, is a perfect synopsis that helps us learn more about them. Uh, Linda is, along with Rick, a New York Times number one best-selling author, both of them are, whose writing career has spanned four decades, whose books have sold in the millions. Linda and her husband, Rick, have appeared on virtually all major national talk shows, including Oprah, Today, and have seen their books translated into a dozen languages. Uh, They write a syndicated weekly newspaper column and currently spend most of their time traveling and speaking to audiences throughout the world on families, parenting, and life balance, and trying to keep up with their 31 and counting grandchildren uh, with, I think it's nine children. Is that right? That's That's right. right. The numbers are overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Good enough. And, and then in the back of uh, Rick's uh, book that we're going to talk about today, it has a list of other books by Richard Iyer. And uh, Rick, I went down and counted all of these books on both sides of that sheet. And, and there's 49 of them, if I counted right, which means that the grandfathering book might be number 50. Yeah. Well, that, boy, you're pretty right. sharp. You it, it is number 50, and so it better be good because you don't want to have a number 50 that doesn't hit it out of the park, right? Yeah. So, But I'll tell you something kind of funny, Steve, because your listeners can't see these books in front of them right now, but here's the backstory: We decided, actually, our publisher several years ago said, we've got to do a book on grandparenting because – you go in a bookstore, there's a thousand books on parenting. There's virtually nothing on grandparenting. And he said, you know, there's more grandparents now than any other time in the history of the world. There's 80 million baby boomers just in America alone. And most of them are grandparents. And we're, 
Where's the book for them? So anyway, we started working on a grandparenting book. But here's the funny thing. We got pretty far into it and realized that Linda was writing to grandmothers and I was writing to grandfathers. And they're two different animals, Steve. I mean, we decided to do it in two separate books. And mine is a thin little book. It's it's mostly bullet points because most grandpas are like me. They don't want to read some exhaustive thing. They just want to get to the action. Where does the rubber meet the road? What can I do? And Linda's book is a big old book, Linda. It's not Because grandmas want it all. Bigger. <laughs> well, grandmothering is just the most fun. In fact, it's just named grandmothering, but the subtitle is The Secrets to Making a Difference While Having the Time of Your Life. And that's what I feel like we're doing. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, now, before we get into this, I've got a question that's just kind of been uh, in the back of my mind. I've been wanting to ask you, how in the world did you ever to, how did you meet, and how did you get going in the business of joy schools, helping others, parents, and grandparenting? How did this come about? Well, that'll take us about a half hour, but we got time, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll condense this down. Actually, we met at Utah State University, and I, I, I was a little freshman, and Richard was, I don't know, older. Oh, I was older. I must have been older then because I sure am now. <laughs> yeah, but um, it was really funny. The first night I went out with him, and thank you for asking because we haven't repeated this story for a long time. Um, I was enamored and I went home and woke up my roommate with whom I had planned a trip to Europe, you know, the next year. And I said, Lorraine, I'm so sorry. I've met the person I'm going to marry and I, we're not going to be able to do this. And we both cried and cried and cried. I mean, this is the first <laughs> night. Then the second date, he started being, Rick started being Rick and wanted me to change my schedule and do everything. Da, 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 da. I want her to break dates with any and other guy she had dates with. That, you know? I mean, and so let's get on I with just, it. Um, I went back home to my roommate and said, never mind, this is never going to work. And then <laughs> it's all history from then on in. <laughs> well, I got to tell you the funny part of it, Steve and Linda will hit me here. We're sitting right next to each other. But the first date, Linda was the homecoming queen and I was away on a tennis trip. And I had a good buddy of mine call her up and sort of pretend that I was her official escort. And I just showed up and picked her up. And she didn't know the better for it. And uh, so it shows you that a great relationship can actually get started on a on a falsehood, on 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 uh, on a lie. But anyway, it's been great. And to answer the other part of your question really fast, uh, you know this, Steve. I'm a Harvard Business School guy. Linda's a musician, a professional musician. And we had no intention of writing family or parenting books, but we were so disappointed with some of the ones that were out there because they were they were behavioral scientists. They were they were too detailed. They were based on an audience of other people's sick kids. We wanted a management book. We wanted a book on how to raise a family in a proactive way. So we wrote one and we didn't we didn't even know if we were going to publish it. But it turned out a lot of people agreed with what we said in there that, look, a family is an organizational challenge. It's a management challenge. You base it on sound principles. And a lot of other people liked it. It became a bestseller, and suddenly we were writers. And then, actually, what we thought was the most important was to teach children joy. Yeah, And that sounded kids. so ethereal and esoteric, but, man, it has really worked, but not without a lot of trouble, let me just say, because... 
uh, we were just with our son who is now quit his job. Three of our boys now are quitting their jobs to work with our old, our, one of our sons who's starting a new business. And we were talking about how crazy it was to start a new business, as you know so well, Steve, and how we were cold calling people on the phone uh, on three different lines. Uh, his mother was helping us, and we were calling and asking if they had preschoolers and would they like to teach their children joy. And, and if they didn't, do you know anybody that is? I mean, that's how these things start. And then it's just blossomed into two or three. And, I, and I discovered, Steve, I'm, I'm much more risk averse. You're probably the same way. When it comes to my kids, I'm, I'm risk averse. I'm like, keep your day job. Don't take any risks, you know. And then they remind me that when I was their age, I was taking all kinds of risks. And that's part of the whole grandparenting thing is realizing that we're not in charge anymore. We're we're just the consultants. We're the guys that sit in the back and try to give good advice. Well, great. Now, uh, this is good stuff, and we're going to talk more about the books. And I am so excited just for those that don't know the Ayers. Uh, you're just getting in. This is the tip of the iceberg, and it's there's uh, there's such a total inspiration and gives such great perspectives in so many parts of life. Uh, and as you're starting to see already, uh, there's it, they've had to work for it. Uh, and uh, but they've really thought about what's best in them. And, and that leads me to the second question before we talk about the books. And it's another one I've been thinking about. Have you ever had a really big setback? <laughs> and and if you have, I mean, a real challenge for you. And, and how did you work through it? And how are you different because of that setback? No, no, our, our life has been nothing but sunshine and roses. Yeah, one, one success to the next. Sort of. Never look back. <laughs> Thank you for asking because, wow. We wish. Our lives have been full of setbacks. That's part of life, right? Yep. Um, business setbacks as well as other things. I mean, there were things that were so worried about at the time, and then somehow you – push on through and somehow make it work. You know, Steve, though, the business, the bi businesses are always up and down and we've all had our share of good times and bad times, but the setbacks that are the, the most worrisome, I'm sure you'd agree, are when you have a, a grandchild that has special needs or when you have a, a child with a learning disability or when you have a, a marriage among your children that's not going as well as it should. And the ones that really matter are the human ones. And uh, we've had our share of those, but we're working through them. Well, that gives you perspective and a sensitivity as uh, right. you communicate with in different books and, and especially in grandparenting. I mean, for heaven's sakes, how many grandkids again? 31. Okay. So that what are the odds, right? Yeah, okay, well. we just had number 30 in New York City and number 31 in London five days later like three weeks ago. So we're really excited about our new babies. But, you know, as you say, Steve, it really is interesting because with that many kids, you know, there's always got to be problems. We had a little baby that was born with a really serious heart defect um, in Los Angeles. Luckily, at uh, Children's Hospital, working through that has been so, so interesting and full of worry and, and fretting and so on. And and that has become a great story. We found a surgeon when she was two and a half who literally fixed her up. It was amazing, like a miracle. He said, I, I went in, I carved out the tissue, I fixed the hole. Um, she should be good to go for the rest of her life. I mean, that's what you want. Boy, to we wanted to hug that doctor. but Well, but the other, the other side of that coin is we also have a grandchild who's born with a syndrome called Bardet-Beetle syndrome. 
and uh, it's a very rare genetic disease and um, or syndrome. And she is going blind. And she is overweight because she doesn't have Lipton in her pituitary that tells her she's full and she's always hungry. And, and that is not going to go away. You know, but so these, these are, I don't even know whether to call them setbacks. They're part of life and you learn from them, like you were saying, Steve. And, um, you know, one reason we were excited to do this particular prod, podcast with you is because we know your audience is, is pretty worldwide and pretty pretty sophisticated and pretty type A. And we, you know, our families like that. And the more, the more that is, the more worries you sometimes have. Our, we're spread all over. We've got a son in, in Zurich, a little family there. We've got one in London. We've got one in Maui and Hawaii. We, we're, we're traveling all the time just to keep up with all of them. But we wouldn't have it any other way. You know, life is complicated, but that's what makes it fun. It is, and, and the hard times help you appreciate the good times. And and uh, well, listen, let's shift our discussion to uh, to these wonderful books. Uh, the two books are "Being a Proactive Grandfather," and uh, that was written by Rick. And uh, Linda's is "Grandmothering." So, uh, can you share with us some of the key parts of uh, each one of these books? Uh, respectively, maybe we could start with Linda, some of the things that really stand out for you. And I just really love some of these parts. So we'll let you take the lead and then I may uh, have some specific uh, questions on a couple of these. And then uh, Rick, why don't you go next? That'll be good. That's the, that's our usual order of things. Linda first. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for asking. And I, what a friend. I mean, he, he ran around trying to find this book at bookstores and it has been sold out in so many places. You're such a dear to do that. But now we're loaded again and uh, on Amazon and Costco's in the West and and lots of desert books. So um, it really was a labor of love to do this because I mostly I wanted my children um, to have this history of, of grandmothering, but also just to share some fun ideas. Um, I do a Grammy camp with the kids every summer, and it's been so fun. I divide them up into small groups. And last year um, we did an ancestor project where we had each of the kids actually do research on an ancestor and become that ancestor that day. We called it the ancestor museum and they, they got up and told all about their life and so on. And then we, luckily we live, I grew up over in Bear Lake and we're close to the cemetery. So we could go over and actually stand by the graves and these kids could tell about uh, their lives and so on. It was really fun. But I mean, that's just one little glimpse, but also there are a lot of hard times with grandmothering. It's not just all delight because there are just hard things that happen. We mentioned some earlier. There's some on that. There's some on dealing with kids and uh, entitlement, which uh, we worry about with grandchildren. It, there's something, uh, uh, there's a bit on keeping your mouth closed. Ah. I talk about putting duct tape over Richard's mouth when he <laughs> starts saying something that is not appropriate. And because it's a whole new world, you have to have a whole new direction that you uh, change to when you are a grandmother. Just one little insert on your book, Linda, because you're a little modest about it. But this book's going nuts, Steve. I mean, it's sold out everywhere. And it's a publisher called us the other day and said it's his, the best-selling book they've published in the last year. But one, one reason I think your book is so good, Linda, is that it— it, it makes a clear differentiation that, that one of the things grandparents have to be sure they do 
is have some good talks with their children. In other words, with the parents of these grandkids. Because if, if grand, there's two big mistakes you point out that grandmothers can make. One is to be too involved and to not let the kids who are the parents of these grandkids know what you're doing and kind of run afoul and let you got to let the parents know they're in charge, they're the stewards, and you're there to help. And the other thing, of course, is that you point out is grandmas who just don't get involved at all. So if you're on either extreme of the spectrum, you got to find the middle ground. It's my favorite thing about your book. Well, I did also gather a team of great creative grandmothers who've done some really fun things with their grandchildren in all walks of life, some uh, economically uh, on the lower side and some on the higher side. And, and it has been so fun to get these ideas in there because, you know, we haven't experienced everything. And I, I have loved having these ideas in this book. It, it isn't just me. Well, that's a great idea. One of the ones that really stood out for me is in Chapter 7, uh, The Grandmothers Who Gave Me Grit. Oh, thank you for that. You know what? We did this study um, well, we actually have been learning about a study from Bruce Feiler, who wrote, uh, he, he's a New York Times columnist, who wrote a, a column called um, Stories That Bind Us. And his bottom line is the more your children and grandchildren know about your family stories, your history of you and also of the parents and also the great grandparents and ancestors, the more they know the the more resilience they have the more grit they'll they, develop they develop grit and they because they they see that they're related and they think you know what if if this person can do this i'm related to her and i can do this hard thing in i've got life. her blood in my veins yeah and it's in the it's dna <laughs> yeah that's a powerful it one it really is and grit is what all parents want for their kids and it's certainly well, what all of us grandparents so want for our grandkids what you were referring to steve is that i wrote six of my grand grandmother's stories magnificent stories but my friend said no one will read it if it's more than 400 words just just trust me on that <laughs> so i got it down to 400 words of just the most amazing things that these people they were not famous they they did not do big amazing things they did small things with great passion and grit and courage that will ch it changed my life just doing that well wonderful okay rick let's take a shot on your book well again mine's bullet points because i know grandpas and, and and the reason i called it being a proactive grandpa is i wanted to write not so much about what grandfathers should do i wanted to write about what grandfathers should be so for example be your grandkids' cheerleader. Be the one that cheers them on, not only by going to their events, but by just encouraging them and complimenting them. You know, parents have to be the disciplinarians, and parents have to be the ones who get them here and there and take them to their lessons and so on. A grandparent has the luxury of just being their biggest fan, and kids need that. They need a kind of love that's just unconditional and total and even irrational. I mean, most of us think our grandkids are the greatest and we need to let them know that. And then it has a chapter on being their champion, which means supporting them, finding ways where they may need your help to get in a certain club or to pay the dues of something they're doing. Be their kind of their resource, their champion. Another one is on, and these kind of go progressively as kids get older, be their consultant. 
be the one who is not their manager. See, that's the interesting thing in business terms. <clears throat> the parents are the managers, but the grandparents have the luxury, especially the grandpas, I think, of being the consultants. And, and what's the difference? Well, a, a manager will sort of tell you what your goals should be and how you should behave and what you should do. What does a good consultant do? He asks a lot of questions, finds out what your goals are, figures out how he can help you on the things you want to do. And a, a good grandpa can be that kind of a consultant. So it's basically just one chapter after another on what you want to try to be to your grandkids. And it's it's a delight for me to to think about this because, frankly, I have more fun. I mean, you say, what do you do for your grandkids? You also have to say, what do they do for me? I have more fun. I laugh more. I have more good times when I'm around my grandkids than any other place. Maybe it's because I'm still a kid at heart. But <laughs> I, I'm grateful to my grandkids. They, they're the ones that keep me young, you know? Well, he's a little bit crazy to start out with, but the crazy <laughs> really comes out. Um, when he's with his grandchildren, and they love that. Well, that's In fact, a, yeah, I have to say, when we go to our children's houses, they all give me these big hugs, and the first question is, where's grandfather? <laughs> <laughs> that's because they know I'm going to give them candy or something, right? I don't know. No, you're <laughs> so fun. Oh, that's great. Well, at the uh, bottom of each book, they, they have a similar message, uh, but it's stated differently. I'm just going to share it from Rick's book. Uh, it's uh, Being a Proactive Grandfather, How to Make a Difference. Uh, at the bottom of Linda's book, Grandmothering, The Secrets to Making a Difference While Having the Time of Your Life. So <laughs> those are great. And I was just reflecting on this. And, and these books are totally inspiring. Uh, I, I reflected on my role as, as a grandfather uh, and we, we don't have very many grandkids like, you know, we're just like compared. We don't compare, right? Yeah, you have like some. We're you're good start. Like we're knocking you, you, number Steve? 19. What number is yours? <laughs> number, number 19 is coming in August. Oh, listen. <laughs> See, that you're in the top 1% of all grandparents <laughs> in the world, man. <laughs> but, I, but I was thinking about my grandpa and, uh, and the difference that he made in my life. And uh, he's a great guy. And, 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 as I've been thinking about this subject and writing this down, you know, grandpa's grandpa and I was just a young kid, like 15 and a half or uh, close to 16. Uh, and I knew him and loved him. Uh, and one day he said, you know, I've got this friend and I'd been mowing lawns and I worked for an Italian restaurant and worked for the Vallejo garbage company in Northern uh, San Francisco area. And so I was kind of industrious and, he said, I've got this friend that's a real estate broker, and I think he would be a great guy to work for, so I'd like to introduce you. Uh, and so I said, well, that sounds wonderful. And so he introduced me to Dave Conger. Uh, little did I know that that simple introduction would change my life forever, forever and ever. I worked for him for a couple of years. Uh, he helped me start my first company at 16. He said, you need to read this book and that book, how to, you know, uh, the, the richest man in Babylon and, and just yeah, yeah. A, so, a total transformation. And, and he became a lifelong friend and a mentor. Uh, he was very, very successful in his own right. 
uh, and lived to be 92. Uh, I ended up speaking at his funeral in, uh, wow. in the San Francisco Bay Area. But this is what sometimes seems like a simple act. act. But that was my grandpa who did well, that. It's, wow. It's so great, great. You, you give that illustration, Steve, because, again, one of the chapters in the grand, grandpa book, the grandfathering book, is being a facilitator, being someone who opens doors for them, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, you're not you're not uh, giving your kid an unfair advantage when you introduce him to someone that you think would be good for him to know and just kind of looking out for his interests, trying to help sh be sure that he gets uh, the opportunities that you'd like him to have, even financial facilitation. And this can be a tricky one because you don't want to be if you have some means you you don't want to you don't want to use that means in an unwise way that gives your grandkids an entitlement attitude or that makes them think they've always got a a safety net with good old grandpa or grandma who will bail them out that's the last thing you want to do but in a wise way uh it's wonderful we we use a lot of matching grants we love this we've taught all of our grandkids uh, who are old enough to write, we've taught them how to write grant proposals. And they're always matching grants. So like we got one the other day from a granddaughter who was so sweet. It was a, written in grant language. You know, it said, I want to go on this trip to Spain with my Spanish class. And here are the things I think I would learn. And she itemizes them. You know, she's 14. So it's just a really cute list. And here are the things that I will take home with me when I come back from France. And here's the total cost. And, you know, I've been able to raise half of the money by my jobs that I do and so on. And I'm applying for a matching grant that you, if you'll match the money I've raised, I'll be able to go on this trip. And the thought that went into that and the uh, the responsibility of, of saying I've raised half, I mean, you can be the kind of resource that not only doesn't entitle your grandkids, it makes them more industrious and more self-sufficient, and it puts them over the hump on things. Plus, I think any of our grandkids, Linda, if they if they ever need to get a job and they can't find one, they can apply to be a grant writer for some agency because <laughs> they all know how to do it. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of that in the grandmothering book, too. I mean, one of the saddest things uh, it, about families is they kind of drift apart. I think the grandparents' job really is to keep this family going and to keep things together. There's so many things that come up and so-and-so doesn't, not speaking to so-and-so. We've heard this so many times, not only with with feelings, but also with, especially with money. Um, but also I think the reunions are, are so important to keep your family together. And, and Richard mentioned our kids are flung all over the world, but it's our priority to get these kids together every summer and we do whatever it takes. And there's some details on that, but your, your books, you're being modest, Linda, your, it's one of my favorite chapters in Linda's grandmothering book is the family reunions, because you can do so many things, and you don't have to be a, a wealthy person to do it. You've got ideas in there that range from camping to full-on uh, compounds where people have reunions and Grammy camps and all the things you suggest. Or just having a book club, you know, to keep people engaged and with the family. Um, but also with this modern-day uh, cyber world, 
there's some exciting things that I was able to do with this book, and that is if you want to see what the family reunion looks like. Uh, I have a son who helped me to uh, make it easy to just go to a .com. Uh, one word, just reunion2017.com, and then you can just see. We have a daughter who has a wonderful, popular blog who has all the pictures there. If you want to see what Grand Camp looks like, if you want to see what a service project looks like um, in Mexico over Christmas holidays, you can just go to that, and it's just pretty amazing. Oh, and recipes, Linda. If you want, I mean, <laughs> Linda knows grandmas, and there's recipes in her book to feed a crowd. You can feed. You can feed a whole town with some of your recipes. <laughs> no. no, actually, we do have somebody that was taking care of a huge group of young adults, and she added her recipes. Anyway, that's one thing that grandmothers always worry about. But, boy, you know, doing a book now is so different than it used to be because you have so much at your fingertips. Okay, well, good. Well, I've got to tell you now, uh, these books are fun reads. Uh, they are inspirational gifts. This chuck full of ideas. Uh, I can't believe time goes so fast, but we are there at the limit. And oh boy. Uh, so any final tips for grandfathers or grandmothering? Well, I'm going to jump in and have, let Linda have the last word. I, I suggest that all you grandpas out there buy the book Grandmothering and give it to your wives as a belated Mother's Day gift because they will love you. I'd buy it on Amazon. It's just the easiest. You put in grandmothering on Amazon, boom, there's Linda's book. Well, let me just close by saying I think the key to grandparenting is unconditional love. We can love those kids, even the, the naughty ones. We maybe love them more. It is such a great thing to just love those kids and let them know how much you love them and champion them, as Richard said. Well, thank you. Now, I have a private story here before we wrap up for our Becoming Your Best listeners. This is a, a becoming. Uh, it is something that we keep working on always. This will give us so many ideas. When I was uh, really finishing up writing Becoming Your Best, uh, I put it into a manuscript and shared it with a group called the Inklings. And the Inklings <laughs> I love is, that group. Uh, it's a great group. And Really, Rick and Linda are the ones who have been key parts of that. They uh, were gracious enough to invite us uh, many years ago to be part of it. Uh, it's formed uh, after C.S. Lewis and his friends who had an inkling group where they shared book ideas. Uh, these, uh, this particular group uh, of inklings, uh, we meet periodically, uh, has a Harvard connection, uh, but uh, as I was getting ready into the very final editions, the title for Becoming Your Best was Be Your Best. And as we discussed this, this, this group uh, said the title needs to be Becoming Your Best because there's a very big difference in those terms. And so right. first, I, I, I thank uh, Rick and Linda and Kathy Clayton and the Inklings for helping me see that. And that's the name of the book, Becoming Your Best, because that's all, that's what we're all working on. But that's the very same thing uh, is what is inspired here is that's what we're doing as grandparents and grandmothers. That's, that's right. No matter what being. stage in life you are, you are becoming a grandparent at some stage. <laughs> yeah, Thank I, you for my, that story. my thoughts the same, Steve, because the grandfathering book, being, being, becoming, those are the key words. I'll say. Okay, well, how can people learn more about what, what you're doing? I mean, you've said it a little bit. Let's just wrap up that way and then I'll conclude. 
Well, I would I would just send them to one main collecting website, Steve, valuesparenting.com. All strung together, values with an S, parenting.com. And that'll give people a pretty good overview of everything we're doing. And then for these grandparenting books, jump right on Amazon and they can get it to you fast. Well, great. Thank you so much, Steve. What a pleasure. What a friend. Yeah, well, thank you. It's been a delight to Rick and Linda for being a part of this show today. Uh, what an amazing time we've had. We wish you the best as you continue to make a huge difference in the world. And to all of our listeners, never forget, you too are making a difference every single day of your life. I'm Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day. Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888-690-8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. Or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, trainer certification, or personal coaching, it would be our pleasure to serve your needs. Once again, call 888-690-8764 or visit becomingyourbest.com today.